Amen. Amen. You can have a seat if you feel like it. If you want to keep standing, you can do that if you're one of those nut jobs. That's just so much better than singing in your underwear in your living room, isn't it? <laughs> oh, there were certain Sundays where um, I just was imagining people just not in their underwear necessarily, but um, in their pajamas and, you know, let's just be honest, like, and and I appreciate all that the worship team did and that we're able to have worship, but did most of you just sort of sit there and watch it? And uh, some of you can't sing worth a lick, so it's like, (laughs) then you don't have all the loud music around you to cover up your, you know, beached whale monotone voice, Um, but... It's, uh, I really miss that. It, I'm, a, I'm a singer, and so even when it would come up on my television, I don't have this sort of surround sound Bose system that I could just crank. It was just coming out of the little speakers in my TV, and it just wasn't the same. It's something about the body of Christ coming together to sing uh, together that's just powerful. So, um, And I know you have to get dressed here to do it, but uh, thanks for doing that this morning. Uh, for all of our sake. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things have changed in 13 weeks. Maybe some of you have noticed my hair. Um, did you notice my hair? How many hairstyles are in there? I just noticed teeth and I noticed hair. I noticed weird things in people. But uh, I, I found out in the last 13 weeks that my daughters loathed my hair just like how slick it was, the product I was using, the gel, the mousse, the hairspray and stuff. So I just, they saw me one day with just it puffy and it was out. And so um, I just started wearing it that way. And then I discovered something really, really cool. Um, I didn't have any hair product one day and I just used three in one lotion. And um, I didn't know if it would work. I just was like, I'm just going to use lotion in my hair. And I did it. And it it sort of held. But then I could run my fingers through it. And it would maintain, I guess, what the women call body. Um, And so it just, it reminds me of how I used to feather it back in uh, the late 80s and the 90s. So, uh, and I, maybe you hated my hair and never had like the, uh, you know, the boldness to tell me. But um, Shame on you. You're supposed to love me enough to tell me I hate your hair. But my daughters told me that. So that's changed. And, uh, and we got a dog over the last 13 weeks. Um, actually, I'm just kidding. We would never do that. Um, ever, ever. Hell has not frozen over yet. And so we did not get a dog. That was a lie. Um, but I got this new shirt that my, my family got me yesterday. And um, it has on it, WWJD, remember that back in the day? What would Jesus do? And then under it, it says, he would love first. H-W-L-F, and then they got me this little bracelet as well. And they got it in a really, really large size to cover up my weight gain uh, the last 13 weeks as well. So I'm wearing this tarp up here today um, to cover up the madness. But... uh, you all look a lot different <laughs> as well. Uh, you just don't have to stand up in front and uh, walk the catwalk like I do here today. But 
It's good to have uh, the youngsters in here. How many are in first through third grade? How many? Just raise your hand right now. Um, Yeah, it's good to have you here. My name is Jason. You may never met me before, Um, but uh, Tony is here, tall Tony, and and some of your pastors over in KidZone, they're here as well, and hopefully we can get you back in that setting uh, so that you don't have to put up with my bad jokes. But uh, I have little ones that are in first through third grade as well, Caleb and Joshua, and they were here last night. And um, we asked them after the service, like, how was that? And what did you learn? And uh, they said, nothing. Um, So I'm holding out hope that uh, maybe you'll learn something today. Um, Even if it's just that you can use three-in-one lotion on your hair from now on. So laughter is like, the uh, shortest distance between two hearts I've heard. So I just, I have some dad jokes here just to start us out today. There's just so many heavy things and I just wanted to have an in with the kids so that they liked me um, here today. And some of these you may not get. How many of you like jokes? Yeah, and so I got some, and some, these are just dumb jokes, but I love dumb jokes, just nostril flaring jokes. And the first one is, um, where are average things manufactured? That would be the satisfactory. (laughs) See, I didn't hear any of that when I was recording by myself in a room on the weekends, and it was killing me. Um, What kind of exercises do lazy people do? Diddly squats. (laughs) And I can tell from the weight gain here today, that's what you've been doing for the last 13 weeks. This, this is a good one for the kids. How, how do you make a tissue dance? You put a little boogie in it. You know, like a tissue and a booger and I don't know. Yeah, that, that was a good one. Um, my son last night was like, Dad, I wanted to get up and do jokes with you last night. And he was talking about you know, something about a chicken crossing the road and, and uh, he couldn't cross the road because there was a quack in it or something like that. But, <laughs> Anyway, maybe, maybe you have to be young enough to really, really like that one. How about this one? Why aren't koalas actually bears? They don't meet the qualifications. <laughs> you didn't think that was funny? I, I like that one. That was really good. Um, what did one plate say to his friend? Tonight, dinner's on me. I'm glad Amina is laughing hysterically at every one of these jokes. Um, This one's probably more for adults. This is my stepladder. I never really knew my real ladder. (laughs) That that was my favorite one. I'd never heard that before. And some of you, you won't get that till three this afternoon, but that, that is so good. And this one's, this was the last one. No more after this. I promise you, you won't have to endure this anymore. What's E.T. short for? Because, <laughs> because he's only got little legs. And, uh, and I actually have a picture of him just so that you can see. Um, so that's what <laughs> E.T. is short for. <laughs> you actually laughed more than last night, which is making me feel a lot better. That's a wave that I can, I can ride here today. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Having uh, the kids with us here today, 
um, is amazing, and there's all kinds of ages and stages, and we've got all kinds of heavy things happening in our world right now, and I could come out of the gates talking about any um, one of those many things, but um, it's probably not appropriate to dive into the nuances and the abstract nature of the cultural upheaval that we're going through right now um, with a lot of them in the room, and I hope you know it's not because I'm scared of talking about truth. Like out of the apex, like apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teacher, my top is P and my second is S, shepherd. So I'm a prophet, shepherd at the top. And I love crashing into um, cultural issues with truth and bringing God's you know, word to bear on that. But I really do think it's important to reduce the thoughts that we're gonna talk about to what a child could understand. And really, that God asks us to come to him with faith of a child. So if I can't reduce something to the faith of a child, it's probably um, something that I'm just doing to hear myself talk anyhow. So this week, we're really gonna dive into just getting back together in some of the um, complexities and wrinkles of that. Um, but we're gonna try to do that with the kids in mind in this room. Does that make sense? Um, I know for my boys being here last night, I was pretty conscientious of that, and, and I want to do right by, by our kids. We were in staff meeting this last week, and uh, there's an old song. It's from actually 1978, and it's a song that says, Reunited and it feels so good. Yeah, yeah, you know that song. And we just left it blank at the end on the whiteboard, and I said, reunited, and it feels so what? What does it feel to you? And I'm sure we could go around and you could fill in the blank. And good might not necessarily be the word, although one of our staff members said good. I won't say his name, but it rhymes with May. And um, he said good. But we had people saying weird, and we had people saying refreshing and conflicted and needed, and overdue, and awkward. And all of those are true. Reunited and it feels like a myriad of different emotions. Even today for me to see people kind of distanced out in this room and probably you know, half the number of people coming this weekend, it's just, it's hard and heavy for my heart to know this is where we're at. I wish I could change it. I wish I could just go back to the way it used to be, but um, if you're old enough, you realize you can't go back to the good old days. We're all moving toward the future. And I really believe in hope that as the months go on, that, that God's gonna do things and we're gonna, we're gonna get back to even a better place than we were. I do really believe that. But you gotta start somewhere, and uh, we're starting with us. And our friends are gonna join us that are online right now, and we don't look down on them. There are a lot of people that have a lot of different opinions on this, and uh, there are a lot of different things that are coming out every day that um, cause me to have a dysphoria of what the facts really are and what we should and shouldn't do. But we feel all kinds of uh, various emotions. And let's be honest, many of us have been utterly reprogrammed 
as humans. Like we're adaptive creatures and almost like fish in an aquarium, if it's 10 gallon or 20 gallon or 30 gallon, you grow according to the atmosphere environment of the tank that you're in. And for 13 weeks, we've been in some sort of aquarium that has changed us, whether it's hugging or shopping or staying at home or educating our kids at home or wearing masks or social distancing, you name it. And we've just gone through one of the craziest times and we're still in the middle of that crazy time. That I just wouldn't even believe possible if four months ago you would have told me that that's something that could even happen. And it has. And on top of COVID, uh, that reality that besieged us, the recent events dealing with you know, George Floyd and, and race relations um, and the protests that have happened and even within our own town it have taken us to new places of disorientation and division. And all this just is sort of coming like a perfect storm in an election year with two candidates that feel like choosing between a brain aneurysm and a heart attack. That's the best two we got to offer in America. And I don't know if that feels a little strange to you, but it's gonna be a bloodbath right up to November 3rd. And I'm not stupid enough to not think that in this room, about 90% of us are gonna be so entrenched in that bloodbath that we're not gonna be thinking with the worldview of the kingdom, we're gonna be thinking about partisan politics. And I just, I hope that's not so. I pray that's not so. I, can all, I think we can all agree, like our world is in a world of hurt. We're in a world of hurt that's in a world of hurt. Maybe it's a better way of saying it. And John completed the sentence last week. He said, reunited and it feels so divided. Reunited and it feels so divided. And I was hoping in the beginning of, of this COVID thing where the church left the building, we didn't have services, and we really started responding. And our, our country, it seemed to be, was unifying. And the church was unifying. And great things were happening. And I even used the the phrase, this could be the church's finest hour, and in about the last eight weeks, I've seen it be probably the most uh, vitriolic and dividing and hateful and spiteful time I've ever witnessed in my 23 years of ministry. And so we gotta come together again with a spirit of unity and the bond of peace. We had a plan that we <clears throat> put out of reconvening and, and resuming online services. I don't know if you read that, but there was a core communication to the whole body as we resume services in this cultural time of division. And, and I wanted to actually not move on from that document because there were five verses that gave us sort of the creeds of why we're gathering back together before we went into the plans that were more pragmatic and the more housekeeping plans. And some of you may not have read that, so I just wanted to go over these statements and these verses and maybe expound on them a little bit more as we're leading and living and loving in the afterburn of this illness and in the middle, the hot middle of the inferno of cultural division. 
The first one was this in that document, in a spirit of humility and grace. That's how we gather. <clears throat> we believe that as followers of Jesus, mutual submission is foundational to our unity. In the season of resuming on-site services during such social unrest, we're calling for attitudes of total gracious humility toward one another. Even as divisive arguments abound in society, we choose to link hearts together and humbly look to the interests of each other above our own. This way will be the way forward for our church. We choose grace here at Impact. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says it this way, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, humility value others above yourselves. That's a huge statement. Not looking to your own interests, but each one of you to the interests of others. I wrote it out this way. This is clearly calling us to humbly value others above ourselves. And this is also calling us to look to each other's interests, not just our own. <clears throat> and, and I think it's interesting in this phrase that we're to value each other's, each other as better than ourselves, but we're not supposed to value each other's interests above our own. And to me, that's very important because if you value each other's interests above your own, if I replace interests with ideas or perspectives, all perspectives are not equal. All interests are not equal, but God is calling us to look after each other's perspectives and ideas and interests in the same way that we care about our own. He's causing us to value other people above ourselves, but not value everybody's interests as above your interests, just looking at their interests as equal to your own. This is important because when Jesus came, it said he was full of grace and truth. And, and in Ephesians, it says we're supposed to speak the truth in love. I've always interpreted that as we have to be a people of conviction and compassion, that we're not throwing out truth and only acting in grace, and that we're not just you know, throwing out grace and only acting in truth, that there's a way to value other people above ourselves, but to actually know our opinion and our conviction and our interests are as important as the interests of other people. It, it's interesting in this one, when it comes to equality, it's actually in this particular passage where right after it says what I just read, it said, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation, this is Jesus, and took upon himself the form of a servant so the God who was superior became inferior to put everyone else above him. No one was beneath him and nothing was beneath him. Everyone he was looking up to as their servant of all. I love that posture. And yet he came and declared truth, but took on a posture that cared about listening to the interests of other people as well. I wrote it this way, people are to be valued even above you and their interests are to be considered, not just yours. Now I think there's a lot of people, maybe even in this room, 
You haven't even really looked at each other today, but you've been pretty vicious to each other online. It is important for you to say your interests and my interests are different, but I'm trying to consider your interests as, as something that is equal to my interest. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Second one is the desire to come together. We believe that God's word calls us to gather, to meet, to spur on. And we've been doing this remotely for a time knowing that we're still called to physical presence and gathering and we choose to gather. Comes from the verse, let us consider how to stir up one another to hatred and contention, right? No, we're, we're supposed to be stirring up something completely different in the church. Love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. Keep assembling together as some are in the habit of doing but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching when we're gonna see God face to face. This has been a huge one. I mean, I've had people emailing me from within the church and outside the church and have gotten in all kinds of debates online about this one verse that no one can tell us that we can't meet together. No governor, no government, no, in the Constitution, we're allowed to. In the amendments, we're allowed to. And so there's been a lot of, you know, grenades thrown at me. I've been called a false teacher and a false prophet and an ear tickler that just, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, man, it's, I, I believe in gathering together and we as a church do believe in this. And I, didn't, I never felt like the purposes were to rip apart the church to say you're not allowed to meet anymore because of what you believe. It's like everybody in our world is trying to band together for the greater good. And I know that's changed along the last 13 weeks, but it seemed like we needed to do that to join the world to make this place safe, right? And so we did that with our brains with our hearts and in community and consensus together. But we believe that gathering is incredibly important. I believe today is just one of those days I'll never forget where we just decided to gather together. But the thing around this verse that get, gets lost is when we gather together, we are to stir one another up to love and good works. And then we're to tend to one another's hearts, not just attend a service. All around gathering together was so that when you gathered together, you spurred one another on to love and good works or stirred one another to love and good works and that you encouraged one another each and every day, all the more as you see the day approaching. Hopefully this changes in the church that we don't gather just to be like an, a bystander that, that is a spectator, but you're gathering to participate and spurring one another on in conversation to love and good works and then tending to each other's hearts by pushing courage into their hearts. That's, that's not for me to do. You don't gather together so I can spur you on to love and good works and so that I can encourage your hearts and you can go home. You're supposed to be doing this for each other. That's why people shouldn't neglect meeting together because we need each other. 
Today and every day from here on out, when you come to this building, you are the church meant to spur one another on to go, love and good works. You're meant to do that and to encourage each other, even if it's just one person. So we fight for gathering as a church for a service and a building, but are we gonna fight for stirring one another on to love and good works and encouraging one another daily while it's called today? That's critical, because that's the context of this passage. The next one is we gather upholding honor for authorities. This isn't just something that we made up. In Romans 13, it talks about this. We believe in submitting ourselves to God first and authority second. We know there are numerous opinions regarding our government and political affiliations, but we choose honor and respect. It says in Romans 13, 1, Paul said, let every person, and this was in Rome, who was under the dictatorship and despotic rule of Nero, one of the most evil, vicious, savage kings of all time, killed his family, burned down the whole city. This guy was crazy. And this is what he said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Talking of Nero in Rome. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God for a purpose. Trump is in office for a purpose. Whitmer is our governor for a purpose, instituted by God, Paul would say. And you're like, well, I don't agree with God. <laughs> well, take it up with him. And then have a lightning rod on top of your head when you tell him why he shouldn't have put this verse in the Bible. He did. And he has a purpose for every person that's in office, whether they're for God or against God. Whether they're for you or against you, they are to be honored by Christians. He's saying to the church in Rome where it was the hottest political contention. Believe me, anybody we got in office in better is better than Nero. So we have no excuse. And there are days I can't stand Trump and his stupid tweets. I mean, I saw one a couple weeks ago and he's like, you know, um, you know, this, this, and this from your favorite president. And I'm like, who does that? Like, can you imagine if I, I was up here and I said to you, this, this, and this from your favorite pastor, you'd be like, we need to like, we need a succession plan here. <laughs> He's nuts. Do I agree with some of his policies? I do. The problem here is the thing that you can't, how do I even say this? You can't agree unless you agree completely and you can't disagree unless you disagree completely. Instead of just being a person with common senses, they do some good things and they do some bad things. Whitmer does and Trump does and I've hated them both and I've loved them both. And that's just the way I am. And you're in the wrong church if you want me to be one or the other and just toe the party line and be a puppet for a political platform. I'm just not. 
So maybe you all hate me now. And we'll have more room for people next week. There'll be a lot of social distancing. One family in that section, one there, one there, and one there. It's, it's so crazy what Paul wrote this about. Nero's the one that took off his head in Rome. Our call as Christians with dual citizenship to this country and to the kingdom is to respect the government's authority, to take personal responsibility in our lives, to value communal accountability, to have somebody speak in truth into our life when we've literally become an extremist and a radical, and to pursue civil peaceability. Even in my disagreement with government, I'm called to honor them and even pray for them in the text. Because Paul said to Timothy, he said, I urge you then, first of all, that prayers, petitions, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. And the reason I'm reading the Bible is some of you have never read these verses before. And this is how Christians were called to act in a time of social unrest and political unrest and persecution and heads were going off and people were being thrown to the lions. This is how they conducted themselves as a faith community in that hostile atmosphere. We can do better. Can I get some amen? amen. We can do better. Josh said a couple weeks ago to uh, Caleb, when Caleb was barking orders at him, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. And I just feel like we are people who do not live under authority and we just don't want anybody to be the boss of us. And we as Christians have to understand we gotta come under authority. I have to come under authority. You do. Championing love for all people. We believe the greatest commandment Jesus gave to all of us involved love, self-sacrificial, self-deferring love. We choose to love one another. Jesus said in John 13 to the disciples, a new command I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you're to love one another. And by this, all people, People that go to church and don't go to church will know that you're my disciples, the real deal, legit. If you love one another. And I look at three things that Jesus said. He first said, love one another, which is other Christians. That's hard enough. Because you people are crazy. <laughs> and I'm crazy. Have you found it hard to find a good church ever? You're never going to find a perfect church because it's filled with people. And they're all nuts. They all have different belief systems and personalities. Some of them don't shut up. Some of them don't talk. Introverts, extroverts, perverts, ambiverts. We're all sitting in these pews. You're not going to find some homogenous place that's perfect. But God says, love one another. But then he goes further and says, love your neighbor. 
That's people that just don't go to church, just people in your town, on your streets, in your community, in the world, we're to love our neighbor. And then he really gives the death blow. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and abuse you. Wow. Love your opponents. You've been doing that online lately? Just when somebody writes something that you're like, I disagree, just say, I love you, my enemy. I love you, my opponent that sees things different than me. That's what Jesus said. And it just gets harder and harder and harder until finally you're like, well, who am I allowed to hate? Nobody. Sorry. Jesus gave no outs. And we're not either, not in this place. Not in this place under my watch. And I'm not good at all those, but I keep looking and I'm like, oh, that's, that's a tall order. I mean, there's, there's times I, I can't stand my wife. And she's right here. <laughs> And I know there's times she can't stand me. But we're like, we got to love each other. These things you can't do unless God has put his love in your heart. You can't do some of these things in your own human affection. You're like, God, fill me with your spirit. Give me the ability to love in ways that I cannot conjure up in my own willpower and strength. In all things, walk wisely. We believe that our actions affect more than just our church. This may be where we're different than some other churches you've been a part of. We are part of an incredible community and we wanna show the utmost care to others who are not a part of impact. We choose winsome wisdom. Says in the Bible, Colossians 4, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, the ones that are insiders, and make the most of every opportunity and let your conversation or the word there is lifestyle be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that it's a savor for them to meet you so that you may know how to answer everyone. Peter said it this way, always be ready to give an answer for anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that's in you, but do so with gentleness and respect. These people are, that are outside, we call them here the un-indeed-churched. They have a voice to us. They may not be in this room, but we're always thinking about what would that look like to somebody that wasn't in this room? Making decisions in our church and in our leadership, we are always thinking about what impression would that give? Would that not acknowledge a, a prevalent viewpoint of the world? Would that be a witness to the world that we're some rogue operation that we follow God and we don't really care about science and we don't care about the medical community and we don't care about what the community's doing. We're just gonna go forward. We don't care about anyone else because we fear God, not man. You can use that in some situations. This wasn't one of them. To me, I had this one woman that was 
just really attacking me about this idea of fearing man and fearing God and closing church down and felt like that was giving in to the mob and and all this stuff and I just said but I've closed the church before for an ice storm and she's like well that's true and I've closed it this is different but it's the same thing we got to use discretion and we care about how our community would view us if If we opened up in the beginning while all things were unknown and things were apparently coming in and we're the only one in town saying we can, so we should, some things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial, Paul said. And I think he said that because he wanted the world to know we hear you, we're listening to you, we don't just care about ourselves. I want our community to know We love them and listen to them, not just like we care about Christians. No, we care about our community. And the last thing I wanted is our church to be seen as a threat to our community because we didn't really care about anything else other than meeting together. Acts 2, it said the church enjoyed the favor of all the people in the community. And I think it's because the community knew we love you. We love you too. The last one is we believe the gospel has a posture. We believe that seeking to understand is more important than seeking to be understood. We believe in the lost art of listening and desire to reign in our tongues. We know that abandoning a humble posture of hearing the other and weighing our words results in anger and all manner of violence to the human heart. We choose to listen with self-control. James, Jesus' half-brother, said it this way, my dear brothers and sisters, I can almost hear him pleading and imploring with them, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for the anger of man or human anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. That's hard. It's hard to hit the accelerator on listening and the brake on talking. But it leads to anger, and, and the anger of man doesn't lead to the righteous life that God requires. And this is a posture, I think, that God wants us to have as a church. Not that we're doormats and we're wallflowers and we just get, let everybody walk on us. I think there's a time to insert yourself in leadership and speak up but we speak up with gentleness and respect and with winsome wisdom. And so when we talk, there's weight to it because we're not always talking and barking and belching and kvetching about everything in the world, that when we talk, there's weight to our words because when we talk, we have something to say. That's our posture. Just some take-homes today. Got some homework for you since some of you have been doing a lot of homeschooling. (laughs) Got some more homeschooling for you to do. I'm only gonna do the first three. Be kind as you speak your mind. Online or face-to-face. Second one is don't fight on Facebook for God's sake. 
That was in the Hebrew in one of the verses that I shared. <laughs> I want you to know, um, I, like, I actually like to debate. And I cannot tell you how many times on the internet I have written out a beautiful, <laughs> scathing rebuttal to someone's asinine statements <laughs> and had to erase them. And it's painful because it was so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess that's happened at least 15, 20 times. And it's painful to let it go, but the minute I realize, gosh, this is a public platform. And, I, and so I've DM'd people. You know what that means? <laughs> Direct message. Because I want to go to them one-on-one -on -one about what they said or how they responded or their comment. And it's so much more productive to talk to somebody. Hey, I saw what you said. I didn't want to talk on the thread. I just wanted to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. And not all of those go well, but I can say 90% of them go so much better than just entering into the pugilistic pounding and uh, the swashbuckling of uh, a Facebook, you know, feeding frenzies. And if you think Facebook's a great place to change people's minds, <laughs> you need to go back to kindergarten this next year and get re-educated because... Facebook is not the place where you transform people's foundational belief system. Human to human contact is. And I'll just go to the third one, handle disagreements one-on-one -on -one at first. And I take this from the Matthew 18 principle. Matthew 18 says if you have a disagreement with somebody, that you go to them one-on-one -on -one first. And if you still disagree, you go with someone else to them. And if you still disagree, then you go with somebody who's in leadership. And I don't know why on Facebook and social media we have circumvented a biblical principle of Matthew 18 that I want to reinstitute today. And I can't do it for the whole world, but I can tell you in our church, I want Matthew 18 to be how we handle disagreements and controversies. Do you smell what I'm stepping in? Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, I, I just want you to know that, uh, that I'm moderate. And I am moderate biblically. In Philippians 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say you rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. It means the Lord is right there when people act in moderation. Now, I can be a left-leaning moderate or a right-leaning moderate, but our church is going to be moderate as long as I'm here leading. Okay? So for all the crazy people that are extremists on the right, it's gonna be very, very hard for me to respect you. 
when I see you abandon reason and just not see any like middle of the road and check out wisdom. And if you're way over here and you're radical left, then, then, then that's gonna be hard for me to respect that opinion as well. I respect people that can give credit where credit is due on both sides of any argument, whether it's Calvinist or Arminian or Democrat or Republican or dogs or cats, like I'm down the middle of the road, okay? And I'm not gonna abandon common sense and just go with a party line. I feel like I just need to say that. Our church will not be radicalized and we will not be filled with a bunch of extremists. I feel like it's a horrible testimony. And when Jesus was cornered and says, should we give to Caesar what's Caesar's or God what's God's, he just didn't draw the line. He said, render to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God's what's God's. And then when he was asked to draw the line between the woman caught in adultery and whether they should kill her, which was according to the law, he didn't draw the line. He said, anybody who's out without sin cast the first stone. He never let anyone cornered him into a belief system that would be the confirmation bias of the ones that wanted to pin him to the wall. You will never see Jesus take those kinds of sides. He always acted in wisdom and deciphered that kind of spirit and split right down the middle and said, you both have some growing to do. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> I was out with Tom Mersh. Um, we went to, uh, well, we first were trying to get to some restaurants and no restaurants were open and they're supposedly supposed to be open. Has anybody gone, oh, restaurants are partially open and then they're not open and it's takeout and you're like, well, what restaurant is open? You just start driving around and the only one that's open is some hole in the wall somewhere. And so Tom and I finally and Lowell found that Sneakers was open. Does anybody know when I say Sneakers where it is? Yeah, you don't. Half of you here don't know. It is a really cool place. So when all the other ones aren't open, you get the sneakers and you get the split. I'm telling you, the split is a double cheeseburger with mushrooms and this amazing cheese that drips off the side. And I would encourage you get, to get some, um, some fried mushrooms with that as well. But that's beside the point. I just know you're hungry because it's 1114. And I remember the waitress came up to us and said a phrase that's been in my head. She says, is this together or separate? And I know she was just talking about the bill. And my question to our church today, is this, is this gonna be together or separate? We gotta make that choice. And I hope we're both fighting and all of us are fighting to say, it's together. It's together, it's together. Your bill's my bill, my bill's your bill, it's together. Not separate, separate's not an option. John 17, the prayer for the church was that they would be one as my father and I are one. And you can have a lot of opinions and you're allowed to and we need diversity in this place. 
We're not looking for uniformity. We're looking for unity in this place. But you gotta have humility and you have to have deference to the other and uh, consider each other's interests, not just your own. God, I thank you that we can meet together in just, it's not like instructing anyone in things they don't know. These are elemental things in many ways, but just reminding us after all these weeks where some of us have, have lost our way to get back on the way of Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and we just wanna do it your way according to your will. It's been so good to see people's faces, to actually, literally be together. And so as we move forward, oh God, we pray that you'd go before us and uh, turn us into the church that you died for, the dream that filled your mind as you hung there of what it would look like for people to be inhabited by your Holy Spirit and and reincarnate your presence all over this world. May we be Jesus this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. May it not stop here. May it go out those doors and fill the streets. We pray this in your son's name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for coming today to the inaugural Get Him Back Together service. Love you.